As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to The Andy Staples Show. It's Friday. We're going to do a new segment called Focus Group Friday because we have an actual college freshman here with us. Michael Crystal is joining me and Ari Wasserman today because he is part of an externship program at Northwestern that allows him to follow the great Stuart Lance Mandel around professionally for a little while. And Stuart had a couple Northwestern students who were doing this program, Stuart had a really boring meeting and Michael's cool. So Michael wanted to come here and hang with me and Ari while the other dude went to the boring meeting. He may be coming back after the boring meeting. Michael, how you doing? Good. Well, I think the way you put in the email was a, a soul killing meeting with Stuart. So I'm happy to be here and not over there. Now, not with Stuart. Stuart's awesome, of course, but listen, let's be honest. He's a suit now. So he, he's, you know, has to meet with other suits. And when you get more than three suits together in the same Zoom window, it, it, your soul does slowly die. Andy, so, do you want to be a suit? No. God, no. I'm I'm working and wearing a Natterdays t-shirt. Like, I never, ever want to be a suit. Yeah. I'm wearing a hoodie and gym shorts right now, which is my 100% I'm amazed uniform. you're wearing pants. It's so funny. Honestly, if you want more information, I'll let you know what's going on down there. But uh, no, please don't. <laughs> uh, Tommy. Ari 100% says he's wearing the holster from Stance and not a competitor's briefs. Stance, they, baby. But Stance. Stance. The, the holster. The holster. The holster. That, that Stance puts out. It is, it is a pair of boxer shorts. There is a, uh, I, I, it's a pouch. I don't know how else to describe yeah. it, but the way they sew it. Everything stays exactly where it needs to be. It is amazing. I need to try that because I the stance sent me a bunch of socks in the mail, and they were awesome socks. Like the no show go. socks are so much better than the no show oh, socks. The best no show socks I've ever had. And I'm not even so. trying to be a company man. If you know, I'm just being honest with you. Well, no, like, of course not. Because you're you're talking about competitors on the air. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I didn't. I actually. <laughs> we'll, we'll move on from this. But we'll I'm bleeping it at, out. That's what we'll do. We, we, we're, we're not. Yeah, Michael. We're not live this is more like live to tape we we prefer not to edit afterwards it, we're not i i've heard let me just say michael you know you you know stewart very well now i have heard when stewart and bruce record the audible that they will pull the diva move of 
oh, oh, hold on, got to hold this. And then they stop taping and then they have to come back. See, we, as you can see, we, our producer's not even here right now. Like we have no adult supervision. They, we will hand them an episode fully formed. And that is what it, it what it shall be. So when, when you talk, are you actually going to cut that out? I don't know. Do I know how to? No, I'm saying, are the producers going to cut that out? I, I mean, no, because it's funnier this way. Come yes, on, it is funnier, Michael. <laughs> I'm looking at your dorm room right now. All right, and, 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 and we got to talk remind, about this. It reminded me because I was a freshman when I got into journalism too, and uh, you know, some people kind of find that later in life, but. It's like I'm longing for that. Like I'm looking at your face and I can tell you're like a 12 year old and it just like stay that <laughs> way as long as you can, because, you know, you'll, you'll want to, you know, I get to talk to Stuart Mandel on the phone. I'm on the Andy Staples show, all these exciting things that you'll call your parents about. And, but enjoy college and the one piece of it. Can I give like college advice? Yeah, please fire do. Away. Fire away. The most important thing that you can do. And like, I don't know if this is offensive to some people, but. I like grad school to me, unless you're going to be a lawyer or you're going to be a doctor is kind of an interesting route. If you're senator, if you want to be a senator, yeah. but my thing in college was I knew I was never going to grad school because I wanted to be a sports writer. And I focused 1000% on internships and the student newspaper, because that's, what's going to get you a job. And if it means that your grade point average suffers and you go to, you go to Northwestern. So like, I don't know, maybe you're just like way smarter than I was. He's talking to a guy who went to Florida and a guy who went to Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My grade point, I got a 3.0, whatever, like in my entire career, no one's ever asked me what my J my grade point average was like, focus on the work and trying to learn as much as you can uh, about being a journalist. And a lot of times, and maybe it was just because my education was below par, but I learned far more in the field in internships and the student newspaper than I ever did in the classroom. So that's, that's my two cents. Well, before, before we deluge poor Michael with all this advice, Michael, what you're, a, you're a freshman at Northwestern. So do you know what you want to be yet? Cause I, I've, I've read your LinkedIn page. You've got a pretty, pretty broad history. You've worked in healthcare, uh, and, and now you're doing this. What what do you want to be? Kind of scares me a little bit that you were stalking my LinkedIn, but uh, dude, no. you 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 youngins putting all this stuff on the internet, like, and then expecting some measure of privacy. <laughs> um, well, I, I think I went into journalism because I didn't exactly know where I wanted to go. Like from the jump, you know, I was interested in kind of a whole range of things. So my first quarter, I joined like the law journal publication, the undergrad. Um, and I, I've always had sports as like an interest of mine, like kind of floating in the back of my mind, but I never took it seriously enough to kind of think that it could be a career for me or something I would want to pursue. But I feel like I'm lucky enough to be at the Northwestern Journalism School, which like encourages you to like really attack what you're passionate about and really make it like what you can. You can make it whatever you want. It's kind of what so. It what, does. what sports do you love? What are your What are your favorite sports? I love the NFL. I love the NBA. I'm a huge golf guy. And uh, since I'm from Seattle, I was never a hockey guy before, but I love the Kraken. I love how bad we are and how much our city loves them. Uh, I, I try to watch the Kraken game every time we're on TV, even though it kind of brings me down. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're an expansion team. So I, I moved to Orlando in 1989, right before sixth grade. It was the Magic's first year. And I just, I fell in love with that team too. Like, and they sucked. Like, 
Nick Anderson was a rookie, like Dave Corzine, Michael Ansley, Mark Akers. You've never heard of any of these people, I know. But then they get Shaq and they get Penny and they sign Horace Grant and suddenly they're in the finals. And I'm in high school and it's like the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, well, I think I was a little bit biased because my grandparents live in Vegas and the success that the Golden oh, Knights had yeah. kind of threw me well, off. Didn't the Golden Knights have some messed up rule and I don't know anything about hockey, but like when they expanded that they were able to like take the best players off of everyone else's team or something and they had to like alter the rules so that the Kraken the, couldn't the do NHL the same thing. The NHL did not protect, did not allow teams to protect that many players in their expansion draft. For, and like, for the they Golden didn't Knights. do that for the Kraken, right? No. It's a different rule? <laughs> nope. It's so funny because my best friend's dad is a season ticket holder of the Knights and they went to the, they went to the Stanley Cup the first year, right? Yeah. And he was all mad that they that they lost, and I was like, he was yelling at him. I said, "Listen, my dad's been a Cleveland Browns fan for fifty years. It's like you you got to go to the the finals in the first year, man. Like enjoy that because you know, for all you know, uh, you'll never get to see it again. So you know, that's the, yeah. I, I wish I knew more about hockey, but I was very stunned by their first year success, and then I found out that they had a bad rule in the NHL that allowed them to get all these good players right off the right off the bat." I just remember being playing in a, a like a little league baseball game in middle school and going home and finding out the Magic had won the draft lottery, and I, I thought that was going to be for Chris Weber, but they ended up taking Chris Weber and trading him for Penny, and uh, it was it was just great because that was you know they they'd gotten Shaq and and had the worst record the previous year, but then the, I think they were won out of the playoffs and had the worst chance in the lottery and then then won it. So it was, yeah, watching a team go from just awful to good is, it just feels so good as like a hometown fan. And I didn't really have that experience because we bounced around. So that was the only time I had, you know, hometown team experience. I hope I can have that same thing. Man, I, listen, you got the sweaters. The Kraken sweaters are awesome. So if nothing else, you're already set. You're going to look good. So now, how how about going Northwestern and kind of, you know, because it's interesting. I did. I went to a school that I did not grow up cheering for. I'm a, I'm guessing you didn't grow up cheering for Northwestern. Do well, you find dad, yourself? My dad went to the med school, so he was oh, always okay. somewhat a. Of, he's not a huge college football guy, but I always liked him. Mm. Your so dad did, or the school. Both. <laughs> yeah, more more so, so the school. No. So how how was your first football season as a college student? Pretty underwhelming after what we did last season when we I think it was we beat Auburn in one of the big six. Um so I came here, huge expectations. And then I went to the first I went to the first home game and there was no one there. We got our butts kicked. Um Oh, that was Michigan State, wasn't it? Yeah, Michigan State. Maybe yeah, that's it. that's when I'm like, ooh, Peyton Thorne could be pretty good. Well, yeah, I mean, they had that run on the first play of the game. It was like a first play touchdown run, and I was like, this could be a long season. Um, but I, I've had I went up to Camp Randall when we played Madison, and I think that was probably the best experience I've had so far. That was oh. amazing. Well, Madison is a just a great place to go for a college football weekend. Wisconsin games are amazing. Uh, I was at the 2000, I think it was 2010 
Wisconsin-Ohio State game in Madison where they stormed the field. And I just remember Jim Trestles doing his post-game interview, and the the speakers were connected to the microphone in front of Jim Trestles' face. But when they made a PA announcement, the PA announcer would take over the speakers. So Jim Trestle is trying to answer a question about why they lost to, to J.J. Watt and Scott Tolzien and that crew. And it, you hear the PA announcer go, please stop hanging on the goalposts. It was tremendous. And then I'm walking across the field to go to the Wisconsin area where they were doing the interviews, and I found one flip-flop. And I want to know the story. What happened to that flip-flop? What happened to the other flip-flop after they stormed the field? Yeah, I mean, I probably have a couple of guesses, but. <laughs> yeah, I got, a, I got a few. We'll be right back after these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You mentioned before we started recording that that you're a podcast guy, that you find yourself actually listening less to podcasts because you don't have a commute to school anymore. But what what are your favorite podcasts to listen to? I mean, I listen to you and Ari every day religiously. Nah, um, nah. you're lying, but I appreciate it. Um, well, I like the news, so I, I just I try to find podcasts that just kind of give me a rundown on daily news, both like in the world and in terms of sports mm-hmm. um, ever since I've come to college, I really haven't been able to do that, which really sucks, but I'm hoping to try to get back into that. Maybe next quarter when I'm a little less busy. Um, I think the, I think it's called like the daily um, is mm-hmm. this podcast. I feel like that's a pretty basic one. Yeah. The daily, that, the daily is kind of a rundown of, of yeah. the news and, and, and it's very popular. I, I just, it's funny because I've never gotten into the news ones, but I was never into news talk either. Because when I was growing up, news talk kind of meant one of two things. It was either uh, very dry and they gave you the traffic and weather every eight minutes, or it was very political, slanted one direction or the other, and, and that was it. And so I sort of gravitated towards the sports talk or just more like comedy. I listened to, to Howard Stern a lot when I was when I was younger, that was, and that was pre him becoming, you know, the ultimate interviewer. That was, that was when they were still doing, you know, porn star guests and, and stuff like that. So I, it, it, it's interesting how your tastes evolve. Ari, what, what did you listen to like high school, college, hardcore rap music? Well, we know, we know That's about all Tupac. I listened we to know you Tupac on loop. I, I, I got that. When I, so. when I was in high school, that's all I listen to. Even through college is all I listen to. And then podcasts, I listen to less and less music now. Um, 
and I find myself listening to a ton of college football podcasts because I find that it's very entertaining, but I learn stuff from other people that I didn't know. And I try my best to be as informed about what we talk about as humanly possible, which may or may not be responsible and also murder podcasts. So (laughs) and also murder. Yeah. I listen to a lot of uh, true crime podcasts about like mysteries of like missing people and where they went and stuff. I don't know why I'm fascinated by it, but well, it does seem that that genre does seem to lend itself to the format because you can do cliffhanger episodes. Yes. uh, Good narrative stuff. There's archival stuff like, this is I I don't know. Does this count as a murder one? Shit town was that a, was that a yeah? Murder I listened pop? to that one. I don't know that if that was one murder. Is incredible. That one so. was really really good. And like, uh, I, you know how arrogant I am. I think I can do other jobs that I probably oh, couldn't do. I've thought like if there was a job, and maybe not so much now, but in the past, I thought if there was a job as an investigative journalist or covering an investigatory journalist. And what did I say? from Zoolander, dude. Investigatory. No matter who who you leave beaten and bloodied along the way to further your career as an investigatory journalist. (laughs) I thought I just said something wrong like I usually do. Um, (laughs) But I always thought that if sports wasn't my permanent path that I could write about true crime or like be a crime beat. I can tell you I could never do that. And I I will tell you, I, I knew the day it happened. I can tell you the day it happened. I was, Michael, how old are you right now? I'm 18. 18. Okay. So I was 19. I, I, this, or was I even 19 yet? No. Yes. I was 19. Uh, I was 19. It was between my sophomore and junior years of college. I was interning at a newspaper called Florida today in Melbourne, Florida. And they, they had a really good internship program because they didn't just put you in the department that you wanted to work in. I worked on the editorial page for a while. I worked in the news section for a while and I worked in sports for a while. And I remember one of my first days in news you basically just get whatever comes off the the police scanner. And in this particular case, it was the story about a a guy who had been mowing the median in Titusville, Florida, and some woman had fallen asleep at the wheel and run him over and killed him. And it was awful. Like, and I still remember every detail of that story. His name was Willie Lee Graham. He was 67 years old. He was a grandfather the kid, he, he was from the Mims neighbor, neighborhood, kind of north of Titusville. Uh, the, the kids in the neighborhood called him Papa. Uh, he, his job mowing the median paid $6.07 an hour. Like, it was awful. And I had to call people who knew him. I had to call friends, family to do that story. And I remember I was living at, at home with my parents at the time. And they were in suburban Orlando. So I had like a 75-minute drive home. I cried the entire way home and I was like, I am never ever doing this again. I, this is not, this is why I do sports. Yeah. Like, you know, it's funny that you say that Andy, because I had just been hired at the athletic. I don't even, you weren't even at the athletic yet when this happened, but my first year at the athletic, I, when I was covering Ohio state, I was kind of off on my Island because I was on the Cleveland site. I didn't really have an editor at the time. And there was an active shooter on Ohio state's campus. Oh God. And somebody called me, from the athletic, I don't remember who it was. And it was just like, I know you're the football writer, but get your ass to Ohio state and go get the story on this. And I remember thinking like, bro, I don't even want to drive in that direction. Like I, I want to be, and I went on and it was like this, like very uncomfortable, um, 
morning where I was like waiting outside the medical center and trying to figure out what the hell was going on. And I'm like, this is not how I would want to spend my day. Cause it's just like the thing that is, is hard about covering stuff like that is that you're constantly surrounded by sadness and terrible things. Yes. And like, I'm a very happy, like up uplifting or uplifted person. And I don't know if I could handle being my hundred percent, my career, like in those types of scenarios, well, because yeah, people and are, you, you came from a newspaper too. Like when I was at the newspaper and, and this is when we all worked together and like, we'd be in a bureau and we'd be together. The cops writers were a special brand of people. Like yeah. they could handle all that. And, and this is, I was at the Tampa Tribune in the Pasco County Bureau. The pa- Pasco County is kind of like you, Florida man, like Florida man came out of a swamp somewhere in Pasco County. Yeah. So it is every manner of all that weirdness and just depravity. And, and so, but the cops writers there, they sort of embrace that. And I just, I never could. So like, if you wonder why we don't tackle a lot of the serious issues on this show, I'm not built for it. Like, yeah. I do this because sports I, is fun. I do find certain brands of true crime that don't have to do anything with murder very fascinating. Like, uh, that like Indiana show. I yeah. think that's really fascinating. I thought, uh, you know, just like some of the, like the Elizabeth Holmes thing. Oh, I, yeah. When I was dating Brit, when I was in Ohio and she was in Dallas, I would drive all the time from Ohio to Dallas just because I liked little road trips and it was easy to just decide I'm going to be there this weekend. And I listened to the entire dropout podcast without stopping. Like it was 15 episodes of out. And I was like fascinated by that. I I still to this. I read bad blood during a period where I didn't have much time to read, but it was so fascinating. I couldn't put it down. I've been meaning to ask you this, Andy, now that I, that you brought, have you watched inventing Anna? I, we're watching it right now. Uh, okay, wa- I don't know what I episode watched are episode you on? two last night. So okay, I, well, I do. I don't I, s- I, I'm enjoying it, but can I can I offer a criticism before that? Sure. As as someone who worked at a large magazine for a long time, about like, the 19 things that she's done that's unethical journalistically so far in the show. Not even that. The part <laughs> that's completely unrealistic is she comes to her editors with this amazing story that is way more interesting than the one they wanted to oh, do. Oh, yeah, it made me cringe. And they're like, no, we, you must do that. No, that would never happen. The second she pitched the Anna Devley story, they'd be like, wait, she's, she's in jail? She's on trial? There's, there's public records here? Holy crap, go get that story. And the other part of it that, that I find hilarious is she's in a cubicle with the other writers at what is supposed to be New York magazine. And they're all like teaming up and like they would never even see each other. Like they don't go in the office. Here's what I wanted to tell you though. There, and I don't know if this is spoiling anything. It's a very, but you know, she's a, I've read, I've read the original story. So so I, and I also know the writer's <laughs> story. Cause she's got a pretty interesting backstory too. Part of this person's scam was that she would check into hotels and then stay there for long periods of time and at the end of it, not pay the hotel. Yes. Who does that remind you of? Roy Johnson. Yes, I was thinking about that last night. And I'm thinking of myself, and one of the hotels that she ends up staying in is 11 Howard, which is a very nice hotel, and I've stayed there before. Who are these people who are (laughs) checking into hotels without valid credit cards and not paying up front? And getting away with, I, I can't even check into so, a Fairfield Inn uh, for eighty eight so bucks Michael, a night without. Roy Johnson is the is the coach from Bishop Sycamore that that the fake high school. Oh yeah, yeah. So Ari and I did a big story on them, and 
Ari talked to Roy and he's exactly right. Like it's funny because I was watching a, the scene in episode two where they, they come to her at the hotel in Paris and say, we need a working credit card or we're going to lock you out and, and you can't get your stuff. And this is exactly what happened with Bishop Sycamore every time they stayed anywhere. And like, I still don't know how I don't Ari, know how you should understand Anna Delvey better because you've, you personally have talked to Roy Johnson, but I don't like, know how they do it. I just like, I don't care. How, I know, but buddy, the 11 hours, like 1100 night, like they keep you, and you like you, and you can see it. I, and, and the, I, I'm blanking on the actress's name, but she plays Ruth Langmore in, in Ozark she's Ruth. and she plays Anna, Anna Delvey. Like she's amazing in this role, Ruth, but, but they, they keep, talking until they hit the right button that's what roy did too that's how roy simple, did everything simple hotel policy you can't pay you don't have a card you can't get in everybody has a policy but if you know how to check into a hotel without paying for it let me know people behind the counter and if you sweet talk them enough they yeah, might clearly. say oh well I'll, I'll wait she racked up a bill at 11 howard for like 75 grand now i will say these were high-end places where she's saying there's a wire transfer coming and she gives information for the wire transfer from like Deutsche Bank or somewhere like that. Maybe there's a different policy for that. Like you and I yeah. checking into the Fairfield Inn, we're never saying, you know, here's yeah. here's UBS is going to send this wire transfer to gonna, cover my, tell my 140 bucks here. So every single person that I have a financial interaction with now, I'm just going to say my dad's wiring the money. Do you know who my you father should. is? Yeah, it's funny that the the Fairfield Inn has a more stringent policy. Well, it's funny because Roy Johnson scammed a Fairfield. He did. Among among other chains as well. Uh, But yeah, it's it's crazy. So that is I had. Welcome to the podcast, Michael, because this is this is a college football podcast. And we'll just talk all day about how to scam Fairfield Inn. This is this is what the show is. Well, Roy Johnson was was a college football story tangentially because it was a recruiting yeah. story. So, yeah, and that, but uh, that, I just am, yeah, I was but you're right. By he's that. he's Anna Delvey. But Somebody should like make a movie. Writing the Anna Delvey story would be an interesting way to spend your day. And I don't know if I have the chops as a journalist to do some of the stuff that she did. Um, but it is to me I like I think she had to do it because I, I went to the actual writer's Twitter feed and she said, if you have any questions for who, whatever Anna Schlumsky's character's name is, ask her. I don't think the actual writing of the story was as dramatic as this. Like, for example, the, the you know, former the, the, the woman who worked at Eleven Howard, I'm guessing that was less of a challenge to get her to talk after the arrest than than they're making it out to be on the show. Sure. Yeah, it's like putting together a story that requires a uh, whiteboard and lines, you know, to from people to people. It always seems yeah. in theory that... Uh, it looks like a suspect you, board. You, you know the, who's really good station? at that is Dan Wetzel. Yeah, He's done a he's few stories. And I've, I've asked Dan, I've said, hey, man, how do you... Like, I, he's going through... I don't remember what story it was, but there was a story where he had to go through like 10 years worth of like sales receipts. And it's just like, I don't even know if I would have the temperament to he do that. He, he had a great story on the Christian Dawkins uh, FBI basketball probe just the other day. And just pointing out more of what what a load of crap that FBI investigation was. Like, no, the, he's, the he's people are going else. to jail over this. 
So yeah, I don't know. I like to argue about stars. I don't know if I, you know, again, arrogance, maybe I feel like if I dedicated myself to it, then I could do it. But, uh, I do like the lighthearted nature about talking about Outback Steakhouse items and college football playoff well, expansion. We are going to get to that. But my, Michael, let me ask you this. What you, you said you, you're not entirely sure what you want to be. If, like if you could build your dream job right now, you know, put yourself in, in, in what would 40-year-old Michael want to do? Um, well... I feel like throughout my childhood, I've watched a lot of just unreal, amazing sports moments from a television. Mm-hmm. And I've always wished, what if I was there? And like, what if I was one of those people who was paid literally to sit there and write about how amazing that sports moment was? Like, wouldn't that be awesome? And I feel like I kind of still have those similar dreams. And I think that the one that like really sticks out in my mind is I was watching it was Blazers Rockets game six when Dame came off the screen with like points. Oh, yeah. Hit that three, and I'm a Blazers fan, so I just went absolutely crazy. And I was like, "What if I was there?" And I think that every time, like when Marshawn Lynch had that run against the Saints, like every time, I feel like that's kind of just traveling, being paid just to watch these. Andy, but what's the me, single me, most cool thing that you witnessed like that in person? I, I think if I told you a list of them, people would have a different opinion on which one was cooler. The coolest thing to me, still is the Statue of Liberty play Boise State against Oklahoma and then Ian Johnson proposing to Chrissy on the sideline afterward. Like, it, that is, I, I call that the American dream wrapped up in one football play. Like, the, the ultimate backyard play, David slays Goliath, and then you're proposing to, to your girlfriend on the sideline. Like, what is there anything better than that? But then, you know, less than a year before that, I was watching Vince Young in the Rose Bowl against USC. And that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Uh, I've, I've been, you know, looking down the goal line when Keith nickel caught the, the hail Mary from Kirk cousins against Wisconsin, the Michigan state, Wisconsin, the rocket game, which was the the first meeting of those two teams that season. Um, I've seen multiple buzzer beaters in the NCAA tournament. I, I, I was actually joking about this today. Uh, cause there, there's a, Unnecessary Roughness, one of the, the college football podcasts with our friend Casey Smith is one of the hosts. They have a bracket, a college football personality bracket, and I'm a 14 seed going against Chris Fowler, who's a three seed. Well, I covered a 14-3 upset in Jacksonville a few years ago as R.J. Hunter for Georgia State hits the dagger to beat Baylor, and his dad was Ron Hunter, the coach at Georgia State. And remember, Ron Hunter had broken his ankle, I think, during the conference tournament. And so he's in a cast and he's on a stool and RJ hits the three and Ron Hunter falls off his stool. Like it was a great, like stuff like that is, is incredible. And, and Michael, I, I don't really know how to say this any other way. Having that job is as cool as you would imagine it to be. Like there are days when I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this actually happened. It's it, but I will say it's not, you don't get to start there usually. Like, like I, I, you know, I go back to myself standing in the rain at a River Ridge High School versus Hudson High School soccer game in, in 2003. And if you'd have told that person, you will get to cover, you know, in, in, in less than three years, you'll be covering Vince Young 
beating USC in the Rose Bowl or you, your name will appear on the cover of Sports Illustrated or stuff like that. If you said any of that, I'd have been like, are you insane? Look at me. I'm doubt. I'm drenched. I'm I'm just praying the Beef O'Brady's is still open after this thing so I can get some some food and like but you you do that stuff to get to do the other stuff. And it it is it is as fun and as cool. And then once and, you break through, that's your life every day. But I, I like the way you framed it, Michael, where you talk about that Dame Lillard shot. Like moments like that are magic. They're why we watch this stuff. They're 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 there's stuff that people always remember where they were when they saw it. And, you know, if, if as long as you love that, because I have a problem. I don't know about you, Ari. I feel like there's a lot of sports writers now who don't really like sports, if that makes sense. And they're always just trying to, and look, you do want to uncover issues. You want to uncover unfairness. You want to you want to expose bad people and expose frauds and, and all that stuff. That, that there's a there's a value in that. But sometimes I feel like there are people who are are covering sports who just they they miss the whole joy of sports part of it. And I feel like if you don't see that, you're not really getting a lot out of the experience. <laughs> I think that's a shame just given how many people out there have just a true passion and love for sports that there are people like that. And I'm not saying necessarily it's their fault, but I don't know. There's just so many people out there with the passion who I, but here, here's what I will tell you, Michael, this, and this is something I, I know a lot of people never want to hear, but talking about that story that made me cry all the way home when I was an intern, I wrote the hell out of that story. It's a good story. You put me on a hard news beat today, I'd be a good reporter on that beat. Like that's more important than loving sports that's what in I terms of being say. successful in this business. It just really helps if you also love sports. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. I decided to be a sports writer because I love sports, the way that you just mentioned it, Michael. But what you find is that as you pursue the, the career, you also have to have a passion for journalism. Like there has to be, and I, I don't like, I don't know if I could pass a high school English test right now. <laughs> like, honestly, like I don't know what an adverb is, but I do feel like I'm very passionate about writing good stories and doing things, calling an extra person for a, you know, a, a source 
or doing all the things that they teach you in journalism class and like crafting the best possible story. So like, all right, when we you get into explain the- our Bishop Sycamore story. Cause like Go ahead. we, we, the APSE made that one of the top 10 explanatory stories of the year. And if people realized like how that came together, it's hard. I was driving from Dallas to Norman, Oklahoma, and I'm in the car calling you like, what are we going to do about this? One of us has to write something, but I don't even know where to start. And then I called a guy I knew who told me about this guy who brokers high school games. And I'm like, who is this person? And I'm like Googling him as I go. And I text you his phone number and you text it and you call me back and like, I got him on the phone. He talked. Yeah. <laughs> was- uh, I remember that was the day after I broke my foot. So like I was not feeling very well and this was going on and I was like, I'll call people in the morning. And you're like, this is something we're calling on right now. And you're like, come on, asshole, let's go, you know, and he this is, it, once, it's, it's like nine o'clock at night right now. Yeah. It, when, and I was like, I'll, I'll wake up this. at six and I'll start calling around. And then I and then Andy, like, really cur- encouraged me. And like, even like as somebody who has covered a lot of big stories, like, I mean, covering Ohio State, there was a lot. There was always a lot happening there. I understood that. Um, but I even now as a 34 year old man, like Andy nudged me. And then the next thing you know, we were up till one in the morning calling people. We we probably talked to 50 people in a 24 hour span because we turned that story around in less than 24 hours. It was on the internet the, the next following night. afternoon. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was something because I just, I, I wasn't sure at first if we could even do anything with it, but that was one of those, every time we called somebody else and they answered, cause I had one guy who I called him. I was like, there's no way he's calling me back. And he called me back and I'm like, Okay. Everybody did seem to talk. Yes. I talked to, like Roy talked. Yes. Uh, and it turned out, and like, that was a really difficult story to write. And Andy really helped me with that. And I'm thankful for it. But that was one fact, of those in the Google doc where we're both going at it at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And then Andy's like, oh, that's Ari's section. Just delete. You know, but like we, we did do a pretty good job of, of mixing, you know, reporting and, and it was a good teamwork, but yeah. like Andy, really, really drove the bus on, like helping us stay focused. And, you know, we, know, we, we had got to figure the out the hardest yeah. part. I thought, Ari, once we got all that stuff, because there was so much stuff with Bishop Sycamore was figuring out how to present it to the reader in a way that the reader would want to come into it and then spend, cause it was good. They were going to be in there for a while once they started yeah. reading it. Um, and then and we finally agreed on how did this wind up on ESPN? Because that, that does seem to touch a nerve with readers like and and with people on social media on what 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 will you click on what will what interests you in a story so the ESPN angle of it we thought was a good way in and then just sort of expand this entire world cuz there was a guy in Columbus Ari that that had done a six part series on these people and he'd done an amazing job this guy's a really good yeah. reporter and so a lot of it was how do we not you know because we can't, we don't have a six-part series. We got to get something out today, and and get this in because everybody, New York Times was working on it, Washington Post was working on it, and we knew they were eventually going to have their stories. We beat them to the punch by about six or seven hours, and that that made the difference. Well, you listen back to the audio of me talking to Roy Johnson. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if I I, I think about that all the time because I was kind of nervous. And I feel like I interrogated him. 
But like you if you didn't. go back, you you just I, asked I, a bunch of logical questions, which a guy like Roy Johnson, it, he's he keeps talking, but he's not used to people continuing to ask questions. He's used to like, okay, I got you. All right, all right we're, we're but I think fine, after fine. our phone call, he shut it down. Oh yeah, yeah. Because like I thought he was like he he called me thinking he was going to convince me like he convinced everybody else. And then he found out like 45 minutes in that like I wasn't moving. But the, and then the he stopped talking then, to people. But the difference between you and most of the people he talked to in, in that particular period of his life, you understood college football, high school football, and high school football recruiting better than 99.9% than of people on earth. And so nothing he could say was going to trip you up. Like, Anything he said about, well, this kid's got this offer. You already know what, what kids have real offers and what, which ones don't. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that after that phone call was over with, he was just like, I don't know if I should have done that. And then didn't talk to reporters, which gave us a a nice little head start. And yeah. the funny thing about that story is we wrote a part two that did very well as too. Yeah. But, you know, there's still, in my opinion, the oh, there's a lot the, of layers the tentacles that of that story, I yeah. think, are. I mean, it's like it is the college football version of inventing Anna to a certain extent. It it, it is, and yeah, it's it, it is amazing to me. Um, I had a college football topic that that came out this week that I did want to uh, run by you guys. I I am curious about this because our our own Nicole Auerbach at the Athletic reported that one of the things that the the NCAA rules committee is talking about is changing the clock rules to kind of speed up games. So like the, the clock wouldn't stop on first downs. It might be closer to the NFL. So this is my question. Now, I've, I have very cynically said, this is the networks trying to get the, the TV windows in order so they can, it can be more like the NFL where games end in, in a, you know, a predictable window instead of being somewhere between three hours and six minutes and four hours. And I'm curious do do actual people care how long a college football game is? Is that does that matter to them? I I think people would watch college football if it was six hours long. The question is, do people want to watch all the commercials? Right. I get well, I get complaints about length of games from from certain people on Twitter, but I feel like that's the same deal like we ran into with the the playoff where if you judge by who replies to you on Twitter, you think 50% of the population wants to either stay at four or, or drop back down to two. I, th I think my, one of my biggest weaknesses... We did a more empirical survey in that, that. The numbers were actually 12%. I think one of my biggest weaknesses, or I don't know, it's just me, but I argue with people on Twitter a lot. Mm -hmm. And I know people you know, sometimes are turned off by that, but I feel like I find myself arguing with people who are in the 1% of an opinion and I find that their opinion, I think that their opinion is more widely adopted than it is. And then I give breath to nonsense. So like I'm trying my best to, to kind of uh, be better about that. But at the same time too, it's just like, if you go read Nicole's story, there's two issues with it. One is, are the games actually too long? Two, health They're also exposure. trying to reduce plays, reduce exposures. Yeah, exposure, and, head and there blows, is a all safety aspect to that because you don't want like, a defense. Let's say you have an injury depleted defensive line on one team. You don't want that defensive line to have to face a hundred plays if you don't have subs to to come in and that sort of thing. I know, but and, we're also in a world where we're going to be expanding the season. 
Correct. So it's like, which one is it? Are we are we going to make an expanded playoff and play 15 or 16 games in 10 years? Or do we want... So like, I'm with you on this. It's like, we want to stop the clock more, but I feel like stopping the clock more fits into more windows, which means more commercials. Right. I think that's what this is about. Michael, do you, do you care? Does it matter to you it, how long the game is? Not how long the game is, but I think the commercial is a big aspect. And I feel like you can see that kind of with the success of NFL red zone, for example, I feel like a lot of kids my no age just yeah. absolutely love like, well, I had like uh, eight hours of nonstop football. Like, there's no commercials. That's just something. Are you, are you that. a Hanson guy or a Siciliano guy? Hanson, Hanson. Me too. That's what right. So I got it through YouTube TV. I had never watched red zone before. And I remember they, they had the free preview a couple seasons ago. And so I did it and I'm like, for the first 10 minutes, I'm like, I think I'm going to have a stroke trying to watch this. But then afterward, I'm like, I'm never watching it any other way. Well, here's the thing about the red zone is that everybody who watches the NFL or a lot of people who watch the NFL are fantasy people. Mm -hmm. And what you're able to do is cut out all the boring drives from games that are all happening at the same time and only watch the exciting things. And then if something big happens, like a 60 yard touchdown, you get to see it a minute after it happens, which is cool. And it's like, sometimes as a college football reporter, who's at home on Saturdays, uh, some of the time I have a hard time keeping up with everything that's happening at once. And Twitter has been a pretty good indication of like, here's the crazy thing that's happening in the Texas Arkansas right. game and, or whatever. And you get, you get to that game and then you go to that game. But like, there would be a cool mechanism if you were able to, and like, my dad will watch the 60 minute, uh, you know, the, the game and 60 minute cut ups at the end where they take out all the in between plays and like the huddles and, and the timeouts and they just condense it to just play, 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 play. Like, mm -hmm. I do think there is a certain subsect of, of fans who would want to cut the fat from all the things that are happening in, in a, in a live game and just like watch as much action as possible. But like, you know, Th those those games every week where the entire country is collectively watching it together and people are tweeting about it and it's a big game. I always feel sad when they're over. Like I, I, I enjoy watching the whole thing. And I, I sometimes like more so in college football than any other sport. And I guess you get this sometimes in the NFL playoffs and Monday night football and the NBA. But in college football, I feel like I'm watching it with everybody who's listening to the show. Like, and I don't know if you guys get that too, but like, as we're watching the Penn State Auburn game in week two or three of last year's season, I felt like everybody was watching it together. We were in different living rooms mm -hmm. and we have different feeds, and some of it's, us are it's delayed. It's one of our last community experiences it is. with television. We, we, we're not all watching the finale of MASH. Like, the finale of MASH had over 100 million viewers. The only thing that gets that now is the Super Bowl. And like, everything with TV, not just football, but like, you watch Inventing Anna, I watch Inventing Anna. You mm -hmm. watch it on your time, I watch it on my time. We're not watching it together. There yeah. are I don't watch shows, and sometimes on HBO, if you watch it week to week, everybody is collectively watching it on Sunday night, like a like a new yeah. a new True Detective or whatever show they're airing. And, yeah, whatever you know, the nine the, the p.m. Euphoria. Eastern time show yeah, is. Yeah, and people watch it, but I rarely find myself. I think Breaking Bad was the last show that I watched week by week. I think yeah, Mad Men maybe for me. I remember I remember watching. The series finale of Mad Men in a hotel room in New York and being so so happy because it actually had AMC and HD, which was a, a big deal at the time to, to and get AMC, in a hotel room. And AMC 
in HD is beautiful. Like in if a hotel you go room. watch if yeah. you go watch Breaking Bad on on Netflix, it's it's a pretty unbelievable picture. Um, I'm watching that Pam and Tommy show right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was watching it with Britt, and we watched five episodes in a few days. And then when I realized we were all caught up, and I was like, "Oh, that sucks." Now I've got to wait like yeah, every I, week. Yeah, I, I it drives me nuts now when they do a week to week thing because I've been conditioned just by Netflix it. to expect it all now. Yeah, just release it. You yeah. know, and, and it's nice because we get to watch it on our own times, and you know, it is what it is. But like college yeah, the, football the, to me um, is the is the last thing that I feel like because even when you're watching Red Zone. Uh, everybody is watching red zone, but nobody's on the same page of like when things happen in the NFL. And I think that that kind of stinks. So, you know, I'm a big gambling guy and I like, I like, uh, fantasy and I'm in some pretty expensive leagues and I enjoy the, the aspect of it, but there's nothing like watching a big, like that Georgia Clemson game last year. Yes. <laughs> it was 10, three. It was like the worst game ever. Uh, offensively terrible game. Yes. Yeah but also the best game ever. And everybody was at the edge of their seats together. And I think that that's really cool about college football. And I, and I don't know that the length of that game, even though that like, honestly, cause you, you do equate uh defensive prowess to whether or not a, a game is game. good or not. Yeah. Yeah. And that game was pretty quick. I think just because there was a lot of running and yeah, but at the same time, it's like, was anybody like, wow, this game's taking like, no, nobody was commenting on the length of the game. And when it was over, it was kind of like, oh, man, now I don't get to watch this with everybody anymore. So, like, yeah. I'm good with it. But the thing that I don't like about things like this is that just call it what it is. If you want to change the rules of the game, just do it because you want to be able to sell more more advertising windows and you want to have more, yeah. you know, don't pretend like it's player safety on one side of your right, mouth exactly. and on the other side of the say, mouth. Say you want to do it games. because ESPN doesn't want to expand the windows and – Everybody gets mad when when their favorite team's game kicks off on ESPN News or on the app. Well, the reason that's happening is because they won't expand the windows to the, the amount of time the game actually takes. They could easily do that, but they'd rather not do that. Because if they rather, extended a half hour for every single game, how many commercials are they losing out on? Quite a few. Quite a few. So, yeah, I, I'm going to be cynical about it. I know that's why they're doing it. I don't like it. I don't want but, them to change the rules. Yeah. Like, I don't want to change the rules of the game. Well, it, it changes. It, it definitely changes when you're trying to come back. Now, the NFL does it where in the last two minutes you, you can. But the now, the, the clock not stopping to move the chains on a first down would be a change that would change everything. I, I remember Trevor Lawrence, when he got to the Jaguars, talking about that, like doing his first two-minute drill in practice with the Jags and be like, oh, wait, I got to go when it's a first down. I don't have that. Extra and it's like the seconds. NFL out of bounds rules are still confusing to me. Yes, I agree. Sometimes I, the clock stops and sometimes it doesn't. And I don't know the actual rule of that. I think we'd get used to it, but I don't know. It's just, it, it is what you said. It is taking away football to add commercials. And I, I get it. it and who's on it's board a for very that? valuable audience. You're trying to reach as many people as possible. We're going to watch it one way or the other. Let's watch know, less football so we can get another Coke commercial in there. That's, yeah, what, I, that's I know, what the proposition is. I know is. why you're doing it, but frankly, I don't want to see the psychopath in the Allstate commercial who smiles about getting carjacked. I just don't. Yeah. That guy's a complete moron. He's literally being kidnapped and seems very happy about it. Bothers me a lot. 
No commercial bothers me as much as that one. All right, one, one more thing before we go. All right, I'm very excited to ask you about this, Michael. I don't know how, how in tune with the, uh, the medium casual chain restaurants you are. Uh, Ari and I grew up on them. A uh, lot of road trips where we had to uh, enjoy the, the various chain restaurants. Uh, Outback has introduced four new menu items. You got the Bloomin' Fried Shrimp. The gingerbread cookie martini, the smoked cinnamon pecan old fashioned, and espresso butter steak topping. Which ones you got? Which one do I want? Yeah, which, I don't uh, even. Of those I four, what are you ordering first? What do you think? The bloomin' fried shrimp. You're you're what, you're what an are we talking guy. about here? Who, yeah, who, you're an appetizer guy. I think I got into a lot of trouble with this with uh, because I think I offended people. Who'd you offend? I'm not going and ordering. I think I offended you. Uh, Me? I'm not ordering a steak at a place like that ever. Oh no, I, not. I understand that. You get a burger. You got they got the delicious brown bread, the the fries, yeah, yeah. the cheese fries. But like, if I want to get a steak at a restaurant, I want to get a steak that's better than the one that right, I you think I could go cook to at Morton's home. or the Palm or yes. a place like that yes. where you have a dry aged. I gotcha. Yeah, that's, a real fine. steak. I don't want. When I don't want to go Texas spend Roadhouse, seventeen dollars for and a hamburger and it tastes like a cowboy boot. <laughs> you know, I just I, I want to go and and, and and have the the smash food, you know, the food that is going to make your pants tight, you know, and I was the first thing I thought of Andy when I saw this was if Andy is tracking his calories, mm-hmm. the blooming fried shrimp would probably knock out your entire day if you ate yeah, that whole it thing. It would absolutely would. the 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 Outback cheese fries, which are one of my favorite chain restaurant dishes. Like if I order something at Outback and and fries are my side, I will have them make them into cheese fries. Like the the calorie count is off the charts for those things. So I am sure the blue and fried shrimp, same thing. I would probably get the smoked cinnamon pecan old fashioned. I, I do love a good smoked old fashioned. Uh, I'm leery of ordering a cocktail at a chain restaurant, but I feel like the 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 world is is getting on with the old fashioned. And I make old fashions at home and. I know the the purists are going to get mad at me and say I'm I'm just you know too you know low class, but I do them quick and dirty. Like I, I'm not peeling oranges and rubbing orange zest around the rim or anything like that. I go bourbon, bitters, maple syrup instead of simple syrup makes all the difference in the world. And I throw a couple cherries in there. You shake How do you it make up, your old fashions, Michael? <laughs> How do you make your old fashions? Uh, I I'm going to offend people here. He's he he. Listen, I'm I'm watching Michael on the on the video now. He, he he's got an opinion on that. He's not legally allowed <laughs> he went like to, this. He to went, drink. But <laughs> I don't know if people are making old fashioned in dorm rooms. I was drinking Keystone Light out of a shoe. So uh, I uh, <laughs> I, I was around here nowadays. Um, I get Woodford Reserve and I pour it into Diet Pepsi. And people go, oh, my God, how do you take – like, I'm not a whiskey per- – like, a, a, right. I don't even know – I honestly don't even know the difference between scotch and whiskey, to be honest. Well, scotch is a type of whiskey. Yeah, but I don't know what what. And Woodford what Reserve separates. is bourbon, which is a different yeah, see, type I don't, of whiskey. I don't know what that means. And it has to do with yeah. with the with the, distill- the distillation process, the barrels that they're stored in. Like, I believe bourbon's the first barrel – and then they the, the barrels are shipped to Scotland and the barrels go to Canada. Yeah, but it's all whiskey. It is all it is all whiskey, yes. But yeah. But Woodford Woodford and Coke is awesome. 
Like there is people, nothing wrong with that. People used to say like, why are you like? I have friends. I would argue you know, that you are you are spending too much money on your bourbon if you're going to put it in Coke. Like just that's get what people will say. Or, why are you wasting? Why are you wasting? Uh, but sometimes I drink it on the rocks and I think it tastes good. Uh, yeah. But I'm not a alcohol snob, so I don't. I, I like Casamigos Reposado soda and lime juice. That's my drink. Interesting. So tequila, soda, and lime juice. The reposado is the is the middle the middle in in the aging process. You got the, just like the taste of it the most. That's young. Reposado is the second one. Añejo is is, is aged for over a year. Is forty two Añejo? Uh, well, I I I'm not sure because a lot of different like Patron has all three. Yeah, like it's it, it's it's basically how long have you rested? This in a barrel. 1942 is sipping tequila, and Casamigos is a mixer, mixing tequila, from what I understand, the, the Reposado. But I uh, honestly, man, it all gets the Yeah, the, the 1942, this is Don Julio 1942. Yeah, yeah. It, it is It is Anejo. It's, it has been aged for more than a year. All I know That's is you, that Brit and I drink that like when we're feeling classy. I will say, if you have a good Anejo tequila, you can replace your bourbon in your old fashioned with that. And it's spectacular. Interesting. Yeah. All right, Andy, I know that we wanted to talk about Bloomin' Fried Shrimp, and trust me, I could talk all day, but we do need to talk about this bracket because I need okay. to I need all to right, suck yes. up to you a little bit. This is this I, is the unnecessary roughness bracket. I am a 14 seed facing Chris Fowler in the first round. I I, I feel like I have no shot here. I'm gonna say this. And you know I'm anti-participation trophy and I'm anti-expansion of college football playoff just because we want more teams in, as you all know. But you making the bracket is a banner hanger, right? Like, just like the fact that you, like, not a part, but like you made the bracket. I mean, look at the names that are on this list. These are some impressive people. Desmond Howard, uh, Brent Musburger, Keith Jackson, Reggie Bush, Pete Thamel, um, these are like the biggest names in the sport. And the fact that Paul Feinbaum's on here, the fact that you're gotta, on the my, bracket my is a Tampa nice. Tribune, my fellow Tampa Tribune coworker, Brett McMurphy's an 11 seed. I got to know, how's he get an 11 seed and I'm a 14? Like, I'm an AQ. I won my conference tournament. He's an at-large. How'd that happen? The fact that you're in the tournament, though, like that they thought enough of you to put you in the bracket is a win. Now, yeah. you might lose in the first round, but you're one of those tournament teams that just is happy to make it. That's, I want to make it. I don't care if I, I. So now, like now that I'm not on the bracket, I I view the college football playoff expansion differently because now I'm one of the little guys that I say shouldn't get in. I and now that I'm on the other side, I feel bad about that. I predict you will be in the bracket next year. I predict so. If I can beat Chris Fowler, it's it's the winner of Reggie Bush and, and Pete Thamel. I, I'm guessing Reggie's going to kick the crap out of all of us. Uh, I'd watch Pete Thamel versus Andy Staples. That's actually happened on the basketball court before, and I'm pretty sure Pete won. Pete's got a nasty I'd jumper. Watch that. Like he, he he's he's got a very reliable jumper, and you know, on top of all the sources and all. But yeah, he, uh, he he'll he'll get wet every once in a while. So uh, yeah, I, I I am strictly a rebound and kick out guy. That's my that's my only job. So yeah, with the the Vern Lundquist Gary Danielson. Kind of, kind of mean to put them together and and match them up in the first round. I, I think Uncle Vern's gonna gonna take that one. Reese Davis, Greg McElroy, Alabama guy on Alabama crime. 
Why this Orlovsky is, against Gus Johnson? Like Orlovsky's underseeded at thirteen. Hey, you know it's not it's not perfect. You don't get the bracket perfect. That's true. I just that's like true. that's my life goal. I'm on this podcast now, and my life goal is to be bracket worthy one day. Well, all you need are a couple more quad one wins and, and your net ranking to go up, and 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 yeah. you're gonna do it. All right, Michael. Before we go, did you learn anything today? Probably not. Um, I'll answer I that for you. Learn how to make it old fashioned. Oh, that'll that'll take you a long way in life. Or, you know, if you, if you, if you've got your whiskey and your and your bitters, get some sweet vermouth and some Luxardo cherries, and you can make a Manhattan. Yeah, I don't think that's quite my price range. Uh, I don't. A, I don't know the difference between a old you're, fashioned you're, and a Manhattan when you're either. a Northwestern grad. I don't know, and not as a Northwestern student. As a Northwestern student, you're going to have to stick with the Meister Chow. And uh, I'm I'm wearing my Natterday shirt. I, I highly recommend some Natterdays. It's it's good for you, good for those pool days, and and very low priced. But did did we chase you out of the business? You still you still interested in doing this after spending an hour with us? If anything, you brought me in a little more. So um, we got paid today to talk about this shit. <laughs> okay, so I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, like this is like. <laughs> I, 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 uh, Ari, I'm, you're giving I'm up the it. game. Hey, he, I want to say one thing. Can I say one more thing? Absolutely. Bill Landis and I, my last year on the Ohio State beat, we covered the Ohio State Northwestern game. And I know Chicago is this big mecca for pizza. And I like Giordano's and I like all the deep dish stuff. Pequods. But we went to a place called Pequods. Pequods. Yeah. And that place was awesome. Have you been there? Yes. Pequods is my favorite of the show. Michael pizzas. said no. You haven't been there yet? Oh, boy. I have not. Are you a pizza guy? Yeah. Well, I've only been in Chicago for like three or four months now. So, so that's way too long to have not gone to Pequod's. Go tonight. Well, let me let me give you a closer place to, to where you are in Evanston. So you just head There's south one in a Evanston. Bit. Oh, there is a Pequod's in Evanston? Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. Bill and I ate there in Evanston before the game okay. and like basically okay. drove a mile to the stadium. Yeah, Bruce Feldman and I ate, ate at the one in Chicago. Um, so... Near Evanston, though, near the Loyola Chicago campus, there's a, a Korean wing place called Dak, D-A-K, double fried Korean wings. They are amazing. Like If, you, if you're watching a game, just go get a bunch of those, bring them back. You will be the most popular person. Where's Morton Grove? Is that near you? I have no idea what that is. He's from Seattle, Ari. He's not, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you, I don't know. I It's five minutes from Northwestern, and I would Uber there today. Get a hot date. Take her to Pequods. That's game teaching game right there. <laughs> listen, listen to Ari on this front. He he. Uh, not only did he marry <laughs> well above his station in life, uh, he also has helped many a friend succeed on the dating apps. At least he thinks he has. Well, I mean, if I were a freshman journalism student, I would just be like, I was on the Andy Staple show today and took already 10 years of working in this career to ever be on the show. And they told me to take you to this awesome pizza place. And, and she's going to be great. like, who and who you'll just be like the 14 seed on the unnecessary roughness bracket. No, just, just tell them it was some guy who got whipped by Chris Fowler that they'll, they'll, she'll understand that. Michael, thank you so much for hanging with us today. And, and hopefully we haven't chased you off. Uh, Ari, it's been a pleasure as usual. Uh, Monday, we've got a random ranking show coming up. I believe I haven't finalized the topic yet, but I believe it is going to be songs about bodies of water. Tony, as random as it gets. Yeah. I uh, am very salty that I'm not on the random ranking show. By the way, I 
we're going to talk about this. We will have a discussion yeah. about why this is happening and, and formatting that is probably way too boring to have on the air. So we're going to go off the air and probably Ari's going to get some uh, some blooming shrimp because, I mean, come on. We'll talk to you later.